0: My name is Ilan Heimov, and I'm a partner and the department head of the Profit Participation Group at GHJ. Welcome to our video cast with Dr. Jeffrey Cole, who we invite annually to share the latest trends and predictions in the film and television industry. Welcome, Jeff.
1: You know, Ilan, great to be here again. And thank you.
0: Yeah. And and, uh, for for the audience, uh, just very quickly, in terms of background, Jeff has been at the forefront of the media and communication technology issues, both in the United States and around the world for many decades, and is the expert uh, to go to in the field of technology and emerging media. Jeff serves as an advisor to governments and companies here in the United States and around the world, and obviously, Jeff, uh, under his leadership, the Center for the Digital and and the Digital Future at USC has conducted deep examinations of the entertainment, sports media and other industries to identify where the next wave of disruption will occur. And lots and lots of disruption, obviously, we're seeing in the film and television industry, especially in the last couple of years, which would lead me to the first question, Jeff. With the United States and the world, and I say in parentheses, hopefully, pulls away from the COVID pandemic, and people begin to come out of their caves. What trends do you see in the film and television industry? And what things would likely stay permanent as a result of the pandemic? And finally, what may change? Thanks.
1: Uh, What great topics. Incidentally, this pandemic is over. Whether it's over or not, this pandemic is over. I mean, we're acting as if it's over. We'll see what really happens. But this has been, you know, I try not to speak in hyperbole. This has been the greatest disruption of our lifetime. Every element of our life has been disrupted, the entertainment industry, no exception. I think there have been two profound changes in entertainment coming out of COVID. One is the movie theaters, one. If there was ever a time they were going to disappear and they've been weakening since television came on the scene in the 1940s, Uh, the movie studios wanted to experiment with different windows day and date, different release patterns. The theater owners would never let them threaten to boycott their films if they did. All of a sudden, in the middle of March 2020, the theatrical movie business ground to a halt. And the chains actually looked like they were gonna go bankrupt. The studios had all this content they wanted to release and they got to do all the experiments that theater owners would have gone crazy and did go crazy. And it was a period of intense experimentation. And the lesson was pretty clear after studios experimented with selling films directly to video uh, putting them onto their streaming services as part of a subscription putting them on their streaming services with supplemental fees and then ultimately the holy grail with films like black widow being able to put them on this is disney put them on disney plus uh, with a fee and in the movie theater at the same time all of the experimenting the theater owners were terrified of because they were afraid that movies theaters wouldn't do as well and there would be a permanent shift towards home didn't happen when you look at the release patterns people wanted to go to the movies when they felt safe Uh, If you look at Black Widow, it did well its first week in the theaters, then dropped to numbers never seen for a Marvel film. And then later, after Shang-Chi, with the same problem, Disney announced no more day and date. It's only going to be theaters. And now you look since then at Spider-Man, which had not good pandemic numbers, but had great anytime numbers. And now, and the Batman, the same thing. And now we've seen in the last week or two uh, with Doctor Strange, the movie theaters won. They should have allowed all this experimentation years ago. They would have been stronger, but they were afraid. They didn't control the experiments. They didn't know what would happen. They had a much stronger hand than they thought. The other development coming out of COVID is streamers got strengthened throughout COVID. Uh, We had Hulu and Netflix long before COVID came. Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus just before COVID, although they weren't ready for a pandemic with people watching eight to 10 hours of television a day. The only streamer that was ready that had a deep enough catalog was Netflix. Streaming use was up 70% during COVID. They were big winners as well, but now we're looking at uh, Netflix has lost 70% of its value. Uh, Disney is down. Uh, not a surprise that Netflix has, has had such trouble. They, they own the streaming world for years. There was Hulu, but up until 19, 2016, Netflix could buy any content from any of the studios. Then in 2016, Disney realized they were making a lot of money off of Netflix, but they were creating a competitive monster. Stopped selling to Netflix. The other studios followed. It was clear they were going to introduce their own streaming services. And that's what happened with Disney and Apple before the pandemic. And HBO was rejiggered into HBO Max and Peacock and Paramount Plus during the pandemic. There was no way that Netflix could sustain that level of dominance. They were facing serious competition, particularly from HBO Max when they got their act together after a flood unveiling. They have to share content. They don't get access to the best producers. They're not going to be able to grow the way they did. I think this is an overreaction on Wall Street's part. But nonetheless, streamers came out very successfully. You know, I think there were five shows that defined the pandemic on streaming. Three of them were on Netflix, the five, and I'll stop here, the five that I think defined COVID were first in the early days, we're embarrassed at this now, but it was a national phenomenon, was Tiger King. We were all watching Tiger King, we were all engrossed, it was so successful, they did a sequel a year later, but a year later, we were embarrassed and we didn't watch it, but it meant the moment. The other four that I think define COVID were Queen's Gambit, which in my view was a high quality show, Squid Game, all three of those on Netflix, White Lotus on HBO Max, and then maybe defining COVID the way we wanted to remember it better than any show, Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. So streaming came out a winner and H and, uh, and uh, movie theaters, I think both came out winners.
0: So Jeff, you've spoken about streaming. Over the last several weeks, Netflix lost so much of its value and is anticipating additional loss of subscribers, is looking to possibly get into the AVOD or the advertising supported area, which they have avoided. I'm wondering what is that a sign of? Is it is Netflix falling apart? Is Netflix having to adjust and now finally making the decision to adjust? And and how are they? And I say they, meaning Netflix's management, going to be able to overcome all of these challenges uh, as they look to the future of streaming? You know, as they now, as you said, they there have formidable and strong competitors coming in.
1: It's a new day for Netflix. I mean, they not only dominated the market, they got a little fat and lazy. And ego became an important part of it. For example, they really desperately wanted to win the first Oscar for Best Picture. They invested heavily a couple of years ago in Roma. This year in Power of the Dog, it was an ego thing. And ironically, this year, it was a streamer that won the best picture, but not with hundreds of millions of dollars in budgeting. It was Apple TVs plus Coda. Um, I think in this new competitive environment, I've written about this extensively. I actually wrote about this three years ago. I think the things Netflix is going to have to do, in my view, is first, it's going to have to create less but better programming. $20 $20 billion budgets are not sustainable. I've argued for years that HBO does a better job of programming on 10% of Netflix budget. Netflix just throws everything at you, most of it not that good, some of it great. So first, I think they have to make less but better programming. Second, I think they're going to have to start sharing the back end with talent because all of a sudden the best talent, if you have a choice between going somewhere else and owning that show into perpetuity versus getting a little more money upfront from Netflix, you're gonna go for ownership. Third, they didn't develop the catalog very often of hundred episodes of shows. They canceled so many things at the second or third season. I think they're gonna have to rethink that strategy. And lastly, advertising. Netflix already is four times the price of Apple TV Plus, two and a half times the price of, uh, uh, of Disney, Those, but uh, at around 18 to $20, but Netflix can't do more than raise their price a dollar or so a year because of all the competition. So advertising is probably inevitable. It's come to HBO, it's come to Paramount, it's come to Hulu. It looks like uh, it uh, may end up, it's come to Peacock, and we may see it in other places as well. In our work shows, people really don't like advertising that interrupts shows, although we may see that, but they're willing to accept advertising that bumpers the beginning and ends of shows if it lowers the cost. And we think people are only gonna pay for two and a half services, maybe three. And uh, right now, the three competing for those slots is Netflix, HBO, and Disney. And for Netflix to stay competitive, they're probably going to have to offer an option of advertising.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Just to close with a final question, which is very difficult to answer, I realize, but we've gone through so much change. The the landscape is dramatically changed. And the latest of which is the the, the MGM brand is under Amazon. Who would have known that will ever happen? And then you have AT&T walking away, which I believe you've expected, walking away from the entertainment space. And looking at consolidating and creating a whole new entity with discovery so what what, what i'm trying to get a sense of is are we reaching a plateau where things hopefully will be as they are over the course of the foreseeable future or could there be more changes could netflix be subject to a potential acquisition perhaps based on their current valuation uh who knows but this is, this is obviously not in anything more than just looking at the crystal ball and sure. seeing where we are and where we might go.
1: Netflix is a real bargain right now. I, I think the, the landscape has largely consolidated. We're down to five studios. Fox has been digested by uh, Disney. And... Uh, You mentioned NGM and uh, and the phone companies have finally realized they don't belong in the entertainment business. A very painful lesson for AT&T, which they should have learned years ago. So I think it's largely stable. We may see something happen with Viacom. Uh, They're not quite big enough. Sony, depending on what's their appetite, they still don't have a streamer. But the big question mark you know, you know, I have I, said this before, but I think it's worth repeating four years ago, Rupert Murdoch, the most powerful man in the entertainment industry and media industry, looked around and realized he had become a small player and Rupert didn't get small, everyone else got big. So all of a sudden, Disney and and uh, Warner now Warner Discovery, those companies are not big considering their competition is Apple, Amazon, uh, Facebook has had a big haircut this year as well, but Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft. So the question is if Apple, Apple could forget about regulatory issues, I'll let the lawyers on the call worry about those, but Apple could easily buy Netflix and Disney. Microsoft could buy either or both. So I think the only really big fundamental moves are what Apple, Facebook, if they uh, um, Amazon and Microsoft decide they want to do. Apple sort of started entertainment as a lark, and now they've won the Best Picture Oscar. They've got very successful shows. I think they're getting a taste for the entertainment business. And uh, just as Amazon decided they wanted a studio, a smaller one, by bringing MGM in. Although just compare one number and we'll stop here. Uh, Amazon bought MGM for less than one half of 1% of their market value, hardly a bold financial move. AT&T bought Time Warner for 40% of their market value. So these big these big tech companies, these are small moves.
0: Thank you, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts and uh, predictions and, and, and all of that great information. So I, as always, we really appreciate you joining us annually and and giving us those thoughts. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. See you next year.